Welcome to the Strategic Investor. Join us as we interview some of the world's most productive asset managers and uncover sophisticated and unique investment strategies in the markets. Here is your host, Charlie Wright. Hello and welcome to Strategic Investor Radio and OC Talk Radio, where we bring you investment strategies you're not hearing elsewhere. That's especially the case today. I'm Charlie Wright, and we'd like to welcome our guest, Kevin Carter, founder, CEO of Big Tree Capital and an investment manager of emerging market and frontier markets with both on the hedge fund side and the ETF side. He speaks to us from the headquarters in the Bay Area of Northern California. Kevin, welcome to Strategic Investor Radio. Thanks, Charlie. Glad to be here. So, Kevin, uh, you you run an emerging market hedge fund, but today we're going to be focused on your ETF EMQQ, which is an emerging market internet and e-commerce ETF here. So give us a brief, let's start with a brief introduction of you. Sure. Well, I've been uh, in the investment business since 1992, and uh, my first uh, interview after graduating from college was 25 minutes long, uh, and the first 20 minutes uh, were spent talking about uh, Pac-10 basketball, and then uh, five minutes discussing the investment business, and then I was told uh, I could start on Monday, uh, to which I responded, well, I don't know anything. And uh, the gentleman that was hiring me said, uh, well, go buy this book. And he wrote down a random walk down Wall Street on a piece of paper, and I went home and read it and started my career. And as I tell people, you know, first and foremost, I, I pray towards Omaha. I believe in uh, the Warren Buffett approach to investing, uh, finding great businesses uh, with moats uh, at good uh, or reasonable prices. Uh, but in, in 1996, as I was you know, still learning my way up into the investment business, uh, I read the 1996 Berkshire Hathaway annual report, and uh, it basically blew my mind because it, in there, uh, Warren Buffett had written that most investors, uh, both institutional and individual uh, ought to simply buy index funds, which was super counterintuitive to me and, uh, you know, how I had been educated uh, about, you know, quote-unquote active management. And so I really, I spent a lot of time digging into why uh, Warren Buffett would say that. And, in fact, I, I learned pretty quickly that it was a, a mathematical fact, that, that indexing uh, beats the average active manager uh, simply by virtue of lower fees. And so I've I've had one foot in uh, the active world and one foot in the indexing world uh, ever since then. And in uh, in 1998, I I watched a company change its name from KTEL to KTEL.com, and the stock went from a dollar to thirty dollars in uh, one or two days. And I said, "Oh my goodness, I've read about this." And I went to my library and and found my copy of a random walk down wall street and sure enough there was a chapter about bubbles and a quote from uh, jack dreyfus uh from the 1960s uh when there was a, a bubble in the electronics industry and it said take an, a company called shoelaces inc and change the name to silicon uh and electronic first burners and the stock that used to uh, sell for eight times earnings could now sell for 50 or 60 times earnings because you added 
uh, a jazzy uh, name to it. And I said, oh, my goodness, I-, I need to call this man that wrote this book and tell him that this just happened. It's, it's you know, literally right out of the book. And so I uh, used the Internet and found uh, Bert Malkiel's Princeton uh, uh, sort of splash page and dialed the phone. And uh, much to my surprise, he actually answered the phone. And uh, I've been working with him pretty much ever since then uh, on a variety of things. First and foremost in, in the sort of indexing uh, space, uh, I like to say I, uh, I spent a decade in the investment Peace Corps uh, trying to trying to fix some of the problems that I had uh, you know been part of and seen in the you know, traditional active uh, mutual fund business. And so I've been an entrepreneur and uh, uh, started a couple different investment firms that are still operating and. For the last 12 years, I've been focused on China. Uh, Burton uh, had started to do a considerable amount of research and uh, several research trips to China and was convinced that uh, China was going to reemerge as the largest economy in the world. And for the last uh, 12 years, uh, that's what I've worked on and trying to find the best way for people to you know, get exposure to uh, the emerging world, which you know, is 85% of the world's people and, and 90% of the world's people uh, under the age of 30. So it's a big deal, and uh, and there's still a lot of problems, I think, uh, with investing in emerging markets, and, you know, I continue to try to find better solutions for people to use. You know, Kevin, uh, I was well aware, and it's, it's uh, on your website, that uh, Dr. Malkiel of... Uh Random Walk uh, is, um, I don't know, on your board or an advisor or something here. So that was quite a coup. I mean, that, that, I'm sure he's contacted repeatedly by companies who would like to uh, have his name on there. And uh, so have you done other projects with him, or is this the first time you guys have kind of col- collaborated here? No, no. We've, uh, we've been uh, working together on stuff for, uh, I guess, 17 years now. The first was an online brokerage firm called e-investing that I started uh, that allowed investors to invest in dollar amounts instead of share amounts. So you could uh, invest you know, $2.50 into Berkshire Hathaway or a dollar and a quarter into Microsoft or whatever it was. And that was the, you know, the, the mutual fund has historically had a stranglehold on small dollar investing. And so the, the theory was we had to, you know, cut out that layer. And uh, uh, so e-investing, uh, Burton was an advisory board member, too. And uh, we sold that company to E-Trade in uh, July of 2000. And then uh, after that, there was something else that I had sort of had in my head that I thought we ought to make, which was basically to do indexing in a separate account. So, uh, you know, take the S&P 500 select 50 stocks from the S&P 500 in order to track the index, but then to also uh, be able to customize it so you can say, I don't want tobacco stocks uh, or I don't want uh, weapons stocks, uh, and then also to do tax loss harvesting on a systematic basis. And so that was the, the theory of, of a firm called Active Index Advisors, uh, which is still operating uh, uh, as Active Index Advisors. It was acquired by the Texas Asset Management in 2005, and uh, it was uh, it was there that uh, uh, Burton had started to work on China. We had a lot of early Google uh, engineers as uh, clients. Burton had uh, done a, an investor planning day at Google before they IPO'd, and a lot of the people there found us. 
And uh, as Burton started to work on China, uh, a lot of the Google people said, hey, we want uh, uh, first we want Burton to come down and talk about China, uh, which you can still find that talk uh, on Google or on YouTube or wherever. And uh, uh, some of the uh, Google employees said, hey, we, we want to invest. And so that was how that was how we first started coming up with China investment products. And when I left uh, the firm in Texas that had acquired us, uh, Burton was really pounding the table on China. And the, when I called him, I remember he called me back after I left him a message. I was uh, driving uh, up California Street in San Francisco and pulled to the side. And the first thing he said was, we have to do China. And so uh, that's all I've done uh, pretty much since that day. Uh, we started a company called AlphaShares that has uh, four China ETFs with Guggenheim Partners, and uh, that company is still operating. So uh, Burton has been involved with all of these, and, and he is uh, you know, presently an advisor to the EMQQ uh, Index Committee. Okay, so, so Kevin, tell us about EMQQ. Well, you know, let me... Let me answer that question by telling you everything I know about emerging markets uh, in uh, you know just a couple of minutes. It's it's uh, uh, in twelve years uh, of doing this, I can tell you uh, the first and biggest problem with investing in emerging markets, and in, and in particular uh, using an index fund or an exchange traded fund, one of the, the traditional uh, indexes, uh, the, the Vanguard fund, for example. Um, the biggest problem are state-owned enterprises, uh, SOEs. And a state-owned enterprise is a government-owned uh, publicly traded company. And uh, you learn very quickly that these companies are not operated like a traditional for-profit company. Uh, they're inefficient at best. They are uh, largely corrupt. And it's you know giant Chinese banks. It's uh, giant, uh, giant Chinese oil companies. It's Petrobras. Most of your listeners have probably seen in the news over the last year uh, so-called Operation Car Wash. And basically, Petrobras, which is you know one of the largest uh, oil companies in the world, uh, is largely owned by the, the uh, Brazilian government. And uh, as of uh, today, um, the current president, Two of the preceding presidents, uh, about a third of their legislature and uh, dozens of businessmen have all been implicated in a giant scheme of kickbacks and fraud and corruption. And lots of them are in jail or on their way to jail. And and these companies dominate. If you, you, know, you pull up the Vanguard Emerging Market Fund or you look at uh, you know a single country fund like a China uh, fund, you'll see all the big four Chinese policy banks. And the, the, the example that Burton gave me when we first sort of encountered this is you have a Chinese factory that's basically bankrupt already, but it's owned by the government, and they need more money. And they go to the bank and say, we want another loan. And, you know, in a, in a traditional banking relationship, the banker would say, you haven't paid off your last loan, and you, you are insolvent. But instead, they say, well, we don't want these 15,000 employees out in the street, so they make another loan, and and that you know is, is the type of thing you get with state-owned enterprises, and uh, they're at least a third of the of the indexes, and, and it, you know maybe even more than fifty percent, depending on how you measure it. And it's not just the technical state-owned enterprises. I mean, Samsung, uh, the chairman of Samsung, 
uh, was recently arrested for paying bribes to the Korean president. Uh, some of them uh, actually in form of liposuction and uh, collagen in, uh, injections. So uh, that's the biggest problem with them. The, the second and most important thing to know about emerging markets is that it's all about the consumer. Okay, there are billions of people moving on up and joining the consumer class, and as they do that, they want more and better food, clothing, appliances, electronics, cars, and that's that is a very well documented uh, and very large secular trend. Most of the major investment banks and consulting firms have put together a 100 or 200 page report showing you this and documenting this uh, wave of consumers. Uh, McKinsey, in fact, calls it the greatest growth opportunity in the history of capitalism. So uh, that's their quote. It might sound like hyperbole, but uh, I think the math uh, uh, backs it up. It's billions of people moving up the income ladder. And so that's the story for emerging markets. And for a long time, uh, you know, I would tell people when they ask me, um, I want to put some money away for my daughter's college fund. What should I, uh, what emerging market fund should I buy? And I would tell them to buy Econ, which is the ticker symbol of uh, an emerging market consumer ETF that I have no affiliation with. But it was the, it was the, you know, the one ETF that, that gave investors, you know, close to pure exposure to that growth of the consumer. And, uh, so that's, those are the two, you know, big things you need to know about emerging markets. And, uh, but I also recognized something else that was a problem with the indexes. When I first uh, was sort of dragged into China and I went down the list of all the companies in the index, I got to the bottom and I didn't see Baidu. And I, I asked the index people, where is Baidu? And the index people said, well, we don't include Baidu. And I said, well, what do you mean? And they said, well... We don't consider it a Chinese company. And I said, well, it's one of only two Chinese companies I know. And uh, it's the quote unquote Google of China. Uh, How could you possibly not include that? And they just sort of shrugged and said, well, that's how we do it. That's the way we've always done it. And uh, and so what's happening is this consumer wave is uh, basically crashing into uh, or you know, uh, joining three other uh, big uh, trends. The first, the smartphone. Um, we, I think, uh, take smartphones largely for granted now, but they're a new thing. I mean, the, the first iPhone uh, was sold in stores less than 10 years ago. It was, it was introduced uh, 10 years ago this past January, uh, but it wasn't really in the stores until the fall of that year. So smartphones are new. And they're changing how we consume. Um, we, uh, where I live, are, you know, we're fortunate. We have a, uh, an SUV and the roads are paved and uh, there's a Target store uh, five miles away. And, and my wife used to go to that store uh, several times a week. But starting about three years ago, uh, a beat started to, to be heard uh, figuratively. And it was a truck coming into my driveway and leaving a box once a week. And then it was twice a week. And uh, quite literally now, we, we get at least 10 deliveries a week. And I can, in fact, uh, my office is 80 yards from my front door and the driveway's in the middle. I can tell what color the truck is without even seeing it, just from the sound. 
uh, as it comes over the crest of the hill. So the smartphone has changed how we consume, but if you then map that over to emerging markets, there is no Target store, and the consumers don't have an SUV, and they've also not had the Internet. So the smartphone is bringing the Internet uh, to emerging market consumers for the first time. And so they're, they're leapfrogging what we would think of as traditional consumption. And, and frankly, the growth is staggering. I, I, um, I don't believe there has been or ever will be a group of publicly traded companies in the same sector and same geography that have uh, produced the kind of growth rates that we're seeing uh, in these uh, emerging market Internet companies um, so Kevin, uh, uh, so so you guys are uh, focused then on internet and e-commerce companies in the emerging markets, and that and that's all you you focus on this ETF. That's all it includes, and and it I presume it excludes these um, uh, government companies, SEOs, uh, you call them or whatever it was. I presume it excludes those. Sure. So. Um, uh, the, the ETF is index-based, so it's a traditional rules-based index where every company in the world that gets a majority of its revenue uh, from the developing world, so emerging markets or frontier markets, every one of those companies uh, that meets a minimum size and liquidity uh, requirements is included. And right now there's 43 of those companies. Um, and, uh, you know, the index methodology doesn't specifically exclude state-owned enterprises, but the, there are no state-owned Internet companies. And uh, and that's one of the other things about this group of companies that um, I think is important. Corporate governance is a real, real problem in emerging markets, not just for the state-owned enterprises, but, but even, you know, companies like uh, uh, Samsung or the, the recent the Brazilian meatpacking companies that were paying uh, bribes. Uh, governance is a real problem. These Internet companies have a very similar profile, most of them. They're founded by local entrepreneurs, um, many of whom have gone to our best universities here in the United States. They've returned to India or China or Africa or wherever, and they've worked for our big Internet companies and, and, and technology companies, whether it's Microsoft or Google, and then they decide that they want to be an entrepreneur themselves. And most of them are getting funded by U.S. venture capital investors. And so you end up with really good corporate governance uh, in these companies. And that's also why most of these companies list in the United States. If, if uh, an Ivy League endowment is an investor in a Silicon Valley-based uh, uh, venture fund focused on China or India or wherever else, they want to list their companies on the exchanges that have the highest standards and the most transparency. And that's sure. why most of these companies are on the New York Stock Exchange or NASDAQ. And that's also why when you look at the Vanguard Emerging Market Fund, you won't see Alibaba, but you will see Petrobras, which is a problem that I uh, hope they'll fix soon. Yeah. 
Kevin, we need to take a short break here. This is fascinating stuff about a part of the world that so many of us have very, very little exposure to, and we're grateful that uh, you and a few others like you are focused there. So, uh, again, we're talking with Kevin Carter, founder and CEO of Big Tree Capital, uh, investment manager of emerging and frontier markets, speaking to us from the Bay Area. You're listening to Strategic Investor Radio and OC Talk Radio, and we'll be right back with Kevin. According to the consulting firm Strategic Capital Allocation Group, every decade since 1900 has experienced at least one bear market, and several have experienced as many as three. So how do we protect our principal from these declines without missing the gains when prices rise? At Strategic Investor Radio, we interview asset managers with unique strategies designed to both protect and grow your investments. Investing is not rocket science. It's rocket fuel if you know how to harness it. For podcasts of our interviews, please visit us at strategicinvestorradio.com. And now back to Charlie and his guest. Thank you, Paul. Again, we're talking with Kevin Carter of Big Tree Capital out of the Bay Area, focused on emerging and frontier market, e-commerce, and uh, Internet companies uh, with an, with the ETF EMQQ. So, Kevin, we, we, we've had a lot of fun listening to these things. Uh, we, we're getting down to crunch time with just a very little time left. Briefly describe for us the ETF itself, what kind of filter you create, and the kinds of companies that are in there, their number, etc. Sure. Well, the, the ETF, uh, as you said, has the ticker symbol EMQQ. Uh, trades on the New York Stock Exchange. Uh, presently has uh, about 150 million dollars in it, and uh, uh, we simply, you know, identify every uh, internet uh, and e-commerce company uh, in emerging and frontier markets, and we include all of them. Uh, it's market cap weighted, so uh, the largest ones, uh, 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 like Alibaba, are at the top of the list. Um, and most people have heard of Alibaba, but there's uh, there's lots of others uh, in this group that people haven't heard of. There's the Craigslist of China, for example, uh, which trades on the New York Stock Exchange. Wuba, uh, W-U-B-A is the ticker. Um, there is uh, Mercado Libre, which is essentially the uh, Amazon and PayPal uh, of every country from Mexico to the tip of South America. And, and what uh, filtering system do you use, Kev, uh, Kevin, to determine who goes in, who qualifies to be part of the ETF, and who does not? Well, the, 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 the uh, requirements beyond the revenue uh, requirement, that, that half of the, the uh, revenue has to come from these activities, uh, they have to be $300 million in market cap, and they have to have uh, $1 million or more of uh, daily turnover. The index itself is actually uh, maintained and calculated by a group called Solactive, which is one of the leading uh, index calculation firms. And so we simply provide them the set of rules. Uh, they then apply those rules to their database and uh, uh, construct the index. And then the index is, is rebalanced. Uh, and reconstituted semi-annually. 
Okay, now I noticed um, on your website, uh, well, on the website of EMQQ, companies that uh, were familiar to me, Tencent, Alibaba, C-Trip, Baidu, JD.com, uh, these are Chinese companies. Uh, what percentage of the portfolio is from China, and then uh, what you know, percentage from India and kind of the rest of the world here? Well, I think, uh, first of all, it, it is... Uh uh, large uh, has a large allocation to China because that's where you know we're the biggest. First of all, it's the biggest economy in the world. Second of all, it's the biggest internet population in the world, and uh, third of all, it has you know the largest uh, set of uh, publicly traded internet companies. So it, it is uh, a little over sixty percent in China, uh, but it also uh, uh, you know there's exposure to uh, South America, there's exposure to Africa, uh, there's a Exposure to the Middle East and, and uh, Eastern Europe, all of the, the different regions of uh, the developing world, and you know the good news is it's going to spread, right? There's going to be uh, a lot more IPOs of these types of companies. There's lots of very large private companies, and I think you'll see uh, uh, India, uh, you know, take on a larger and larger uh, position as their uh, e-commerce market. Uh, and its leading companies uh, start to IPO. And let me say, India is the hot dot right now. China is the biggest. Uh, it's had phenomenal growth. But the Indian uh, market is uh, really on fire. Um, there are a billion people have mobile phones in India, but only 150 million of those are smartphones. And you have this massive, massive upgrade cycle uh, just beginning, and uh, the Indian e-commerce market is growing at more than a hundred percent today. And uh, you know, in the coming uh, few years, you'll certainly see IPOs of Flipkart, which is the you know the leading e-commerce company, uh, Ola Cab, perhaps the Uber of India, uh, Paytm, you know, the online payments company in India. And one of the other great things about EMQQ is every one of those companies that I just mentioned is already in EMQQ, not directly, but through investments from other companies. So, you know, the, the large companies you see here uh, in the ETF, they have been prolific venture investors and have investments in those types of companies in India and other uh, regions. So, Kevin, a question we'd like to ask all of our uh, guests here. What keeps you awake at night? Well, as relates to EMQQ, not very much, to be frank with you. Um, this is a secular trend. Uh, people are not going to decrease their use of the Internet. People aren't going to try it and say, no, uh, this wasn't for me. So, uh, you know, the, the, the fundamental growth of this sector uh, is about as certain of a thing that I've come across in my uh, investment uh, career. Um, more broadly, though, in emerging markets, um, uh, I think the, the only thing that, that I'm concerned about is in China. Uh, there's been a, uh, a massive uh, uh, growth in the so-called wealth management products, which are sort of gray market uh, lending, and uh, there's concerns that uh, uh, a lot of risk has uh, been uh, born into the system, and that might be true. But I'm I'm not as I think that that uh, and I by the way I was this myself, but I, I think a lot of Americans are have a negative view about China and all things financial related to China. Um, 
I think that you know the adjectives and adverbs that the media uses to describe China are always uh, tilted to the negative side. I think the Chinese government is really smart, and they have the best balance sheet in the world. And so, while that's you know perhaps the only thing that I would say keeps me up at night, I'm not I'm not worried about it unraveling the, the you know the incredible uh, growth story that is China. Well, that's uh, that's good to hear. The second question that we like to ask every guest: What book on investing would you recommend for our listeners? Well, that's obviously easy for me. A random walk down Wall Street should be read by every investor and reread and referenced uh, again and again for different things. And and then anything written or said by Warren Buffett or Charlie Munger. I mean, those guys. You know, as far as I'm concerned, there's two right ways to invest. Uh, one of them is uh, index and do what Bert Malkiel and John Bogle uh, have uh, helped you do. Um, or uh, you think like a businessman and look for companies with moats at good prices. And so the, uh, those are two ends of the barbell, and I would read uh, books pertaining to those two sides. And I think the best are a random walk down Wall Street uh, or uh any and every uh, uh, Berkshire Hathaway annual report. Hey, uh, thank you. I recently read a book by Charlie Munger, and uh, he's a pretty straight, uh, straight talker here and uh, very interesting reading. So give, uh, for the benefit yeah. of our listeners who would like to know more, give us your website and contact information, please. Sure. Uh, the, the website is www.emqqetf.com. EMQQETF.com. And uh, I can be reached at uh, kcarter at bigtreecapital.com. Okay, so final words for our listeners here, Kevin. Well, I think investors uh, ought to be uh, investing in emerging markets. They, I think that they're, you know, um, underexposed. The Morningstar says the average investor has about 3% in emerging markets. And again, emerging markets are, they're now more than half of the world's GDP. They're Eighty-five uh, percent of the world's people and ninety uh, percent of the world's young people. So they are they are both the world and the future. And investors ought to uh, be participating, but they should be selective and uh, make sure they're getting uh, the most bang for their buck. Kevin, thank you very much. Uh, great words and our uh, best wishes to you and EMQQ on uh, moving forward in this very interesting market in a way that you guys have uh, sliced and diced that appears to be very productive. So thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you so much. Again, we've been talking with Kevin Carter, founder and CEO of Big Tree Capital, and they have formed EMQQ, an ETF for e-commerce and internet investing in the emerging markets. You've been listening to Strategic Investor Radio on OC Talk Radio. We'd love you to contact us at info at strategicinvestorradio.com. You can go to our website to access podcasts of all of our interviews and shows, strategicinvestorradio.com. I'm Charlie Wright, wishing you an enjoyable week and productive investing. Strategic Investor Radio is a production of OC Talk Radio and is provided for educational purposes only. Content of this program and the views of the guests should not be considered as recommendations by OC Talk Radio or investment advice from the host Charlie Wright or any other entity attached to this production. Investors should always consult qualified financial, investment, tax, or legal professionals prior to investing. 